It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast, the show that tries to answer the questions, just what the heck is going on in the media, entertainment, and technology worlds. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, better known to most of the internet as PCNerd37. And on the other end of Skype is my trusty co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? I'm doing well. Not so trusty today, though. Yeah, I know it, I know it sounds like your laptop isn't being too trusty. Yeah, I know, I know. It was it was uh, kind of hit and miss today whether or not I would be able to make it for the show. I had to borrow a laptop, had to uh, configure Skype, and had to get all this information of of, uh, of like my settings and all that stuff set up, and so I can actually read the stories. And then um, now I find out that the the Windows Seven or the version of Windows Seven on here has expired. So hopefully it won't automatically shut off in the middle of our recording. Yeah, that would not be good. So do you have any ideas for what you're going to get to replace your new laptop? Or your old laptop, I should say? I have no idea. I have, um, I'm kind of picky, because I was actually looking for laptops probably a month, month and a half ago uh, when I had time. And I'm pretty picky on what I want, and I don't think, I haven't seen anything that has everything that I need so far. That's kind of the situation that I was in, that's why I went and got a MacBook Pro last week because it seemed to be the best option out of all the ones that I had seen. Generally speaking, I prefer to go with either a ThinkPad or something from Asus. Or Asus, I guess it's pronounced. But just I've always had a decent history with those. The Asus stuff is kind of hit or miss. My EPC is fantastic. My laptop has hinge issues, trackpad button issues, and a number of other things. That's why I got the MacBook Pro. But generally speaking, their stuff tends to be pretty good, and I would generally recommend those to just about anybody before I would recommend probably any other brand. Yeah. The previous laptop was a HP. The one before that was an HP. And the new HPs, they actually look nice. Except their uh, trackpad is a trackpad slash right and left click button, uh, which I hate uh, because I usually hover my thumb over the button as I scroll, and it kind of confuses the mouse because it has two inputs, one for scrolling and one where I'm about to click the mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the big... That, uh, the trackpad thing was one of the big complaints I had about the Asus laptop that I have now is that they have the keyboard and the keypad all on there which is really nice but because they squished all that on there they didn't bother to change the positioning of the trackpad they just kind of stuck it right in the middle of the laptop which in most cases that would be fine if there wasn't the keypad but because of the positioning, it was kind of shifted over to the right as to where whenever I'm sitting here typing with the palm of my hand or the inner part of my thumb, it would always tap the trackpad and click me out of wherever I'm typing or in the middle of another word so it would screw up what I'm typing or whatever. And that that was always a real pain. Yeah. That, that was probably my biggest criticism of that machine. Yeah, if any of our listeners might want to send a suggestion, what I'm looking for is a laptop that doesn't have the tin key on the side. I don't. I hate the tin key. Uh, that the trackpad is directly in the middle, not off to the left, where it tends to be on the newer laptops. 
and uh, I'm looking for a backlit keyboard and at least five hours of battery life. That's it. Those are my requirements. You know, if you're looking to maybe go for a smaller screen, it might be worth looking into one of the 11-inch um, Alienwares. I know they have some hinge issues on some of them, but otherwise that'll get you the battery life. It'll get you a backlit keyboard and all that kind of stuff. Either that okay. or you could always go for a Mac. Do they have backlit keyboards? Yeah, the new Airs don't, but... I believe the MacBooks and the MacBook Pros do. I'm not 100% sure about the MacBooks, but I know the MacBook Pros do. Okay. But the Airs don't. That's one of the reasons I decided not to go with a MacBook Air, because I kind of wanted a backlit keyboard plus a number of other things. I kind of wanted the power and stuff anyway. Yeah, I'm just saying, I don't really like Apple. I really don't like NVIDIA. Yeah, I... This is my, other than my iPod Touch, this is my first Apple experience. I figured it was time I finally decided to give them a shot and see if it was worth all the hatred that I sent their way all these years. And it wasn't. I So far, I'm pleasantly surprised. But uh, I'll save that for a blog post or something this week, maybe. Cool, great. But, but yeah, I, I can understand the whole... NVIDIA issue. I, I know a number of people that, especially when it comes to laptops, hate Optimus with a passion just because it doesn't work all the time. No, it's more of the bump gate. I got caught up in that and and uh, really pissed me off having to deal with them. And I had the problem with uh, my desktop and my laptop. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm With this all the driver problems that I've been having with this ATI card, I'm almost half considering going back to NVIDIA for my next machine, but I don't expect to build a new desktop for probably about another three years, so I'm not too worried about it anytime soon. Although it would be nice to have be able to use newer drivers instead of being stuck on 10.5, as good mm-hmm. as 10.5 is. But anyway enough computer talk we have plenty of stories to get to this week which of course you can follow along in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com which of course you can find all kinds of other things that i've posted there the tips of the week which had all kinds of wonderful tips this past week uh just to give you a little bit of an idea what tips there were there were things like how to turn an nes cartridge into a wireless router how to calculate the return on investment for your social media campaign. How to lock Android apps, so that way people don't, just random people can't get into them. Um, how to turn your DDWRT-enabled router into a whole house ad blocker. That's something I probably want to do tonight. Um, repairing task manager registry and stuff like that after a malware attack. How to gain Twitter influence. How to turn old PC fans into mini wind generators. Uh, how to start your own internet talk show. All kinds of stuff. Ooh, and probably one of the most important ones. How to stop hackers from hijacking your accounts with Fire Sheep. Um, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to it. There's a new the Firefox Fire- plugin. Yeah, the new Firefox plugin that can essentially hijack other people's accounts for all kinds of different websites, if you're using an open access point like at Starbucks or whatever, it can hijack Facebook, um, Twitter. Uh, I saw a whole list of them, and I, I have it on my laptop. I'd have to pull up the whole list. of. It's like a report card for all these different sites for if they're susceptible to this. And it seemed like the only one that didn't have any kind of issue with this is Gmail just because they use HTTPS for everything. Mm-hmm. But all these other sites need to do that, otherwise they're leaking information, they're allowing other people to screw with your account, all kinds of nasty mm, excuse me, nasty stuff. But yeah, definitely check out the tips of the week, if for nothing more than that tip alone. Uh, personally, if I'm going to be doing anything like where I'm doing login information, stuff like that, and I'm at an open access point like at Starbucks, I just use a VPN into my 
computer at home and then surf from my computer at home. Much more secure, especially if I have to do some quick banking or something like that. That's definitely the way to go. Personally, I recommend um, a service called LogMeIn, although you can use all kinds of stuff like go to my PC and whatever too. But anyway, that's, of course, just one of the things that was at globalgeeknews.com. I did post two podcasts last week. Um, One was kind of about two weeks late, which would be episode 85. So if you're looking at your podcatcher and notice that there's things out of order, that's kind of why. Um, Posted some pictures of some uh, really geeky signs from the Rally to Restore Sanity um, event in D.C. And there was this one post that... There's two big posts that I had last week. One was um, putting was the new Microsoft Connect and it kind of putting on an infrared light show, which if you have not seen the video, you must see it. It's basically looking at what the Connect does through night vision goggles, and it just showers the room with all these little wa- lights, and it's just an amazing thing to see. But um, another one, the other big thing is. Um, a suggestion from Amazon for when you're buying $6,800 audio cables. I won't spoil it for you. I'll let you go to the site. Check that out. Uh, It's a couple stories down there, but uh, it's definitely worth the read because it makes for a good laugh. But anyway, on to our story, starting with... Google is sponsoring free in-flight Wi-Fi for the holidays if you're using Virgin America, AirTran, Delta, and apparently that's just on domestic flights. Yeah, they did something similar last year, but it was more airports than flights uh, to, that they paid for free Wi-Fi uh, for the holidays. This one they're starting fairly early. Uh, I don't remember it being so early this year, but they're starting November 20th through January 2nd uh, of next year. Uh, free internet access in all these airplanes. Um, my guess is that they're using this as an uh, incentive to break some systems if there are any flaws. Um, because I know if there's free Wi-Fi, more people will be uh, using it than not. Yeah, supposedly this is to promote Google Chrome more than anything else. But Yeah. They're the ones sponsoring it anyway. Yeah, it's the Chrome group group inside of Google. Apparently, they must have a large budget and didn't wasn't sure what to do with their money. So, free Wi-Fi in flight for everybody. Right. Well, Google's mission is to make people use the internet more because as more more people use the internet, the more they make money. And of course, Chrome is the the window to that. So, um, but I'm I'm guessing that. We're going to see massive uptick of usage on of Wi-Fi on planes, and these systems are going to start breaking, and they're going to be pushed to the limits. And um, I think Google wants them to be more hardy, more robust, and and also introduce people that it is available, um, so they get used to it and they'll try it more, and maybe even every flight that's available. Yeah, I'm kind of skeptical about the future of Wi-Fi and flights. I mean, I'm definitely rooting for it. It's something I've wanted for as long as I've been flying. But there's, over the past week, there's gotten to be a lot of skepticism about it because of all the security issues in the air with the whole um, bomb in an ink cartridge thing and all all that stuff that happened, what was that, last week. So they're all... There's a lot of people that are worried that they could use a signal over the Wi-Fi to trigger the explosive to blow the plane up or whatever. And with as nuts as airport security is anyway, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if in-flight Wi-Fi went away. The thing is, they could still use self-service. I mean, it's it's harder and it's not stable to get self-service on a plane, but it's possible. Um, So... um, there's still a possibility that cell service could be used to detonate a bomb on a plane. Yeah, it's definitely very spotty. I've tried leaving, I've tried turning on like my phone and stuff during flights on occasion, and I can never usually get a signal once in a real great while. But it's not something I make a habit out of. It's just something that I've tested out a couple of times. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know. They There was a, a new story came across this afternoon that apparently now ink cartridges and toner cartridges are now banned from flights in the U.S. That the TSA what? has banned them. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think there was... It said something about anything over 16 ounces. So, but there was... It wasn't real clear as to where that was like 16 ounces of the cartridge overall. Was that 16 ounces worth of ink in it or toner or whatever? Or just how they calculated that. But yeah, that that's that's the new rule. No ink cartridges. Yeah, like they wouldn't try something else instead, instead of a printer. Well, there was also a story that came out last week that's saying that supposedly back in like 2008 or whatever, they tried to put explosives in a dog and then... Yeah, the two dog. dogs. Yeah, but the dogs ended up dying before that happened. So, yeah, if it's not any cartridge, I'd, I'd say it'll be something else. But. It could be a server. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, I'm shipping a computer server and you can put bombs in there. Yeah, it, it it's crazy. And, of course, now they're still putting in those new naked body scanners in every airport that they possibly can, which is why I fly smaller airports so I don't have to deal with those things. Not to mention I would opt out anyway. But, yeah, I think they're just getting a little bit crazy with when it comes to the airport rules. I'm wondering when the day will come when, when if you want to fly, you have to fly naked. Nice. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But yeah, I guess you only have to have check luggage for that one then. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day we'll have in-flight Wi-Fi while we're naked. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, if you're doing some traveling for the holidays, that's definitely something worth checking out if you happen to be flying Virgin America, AirTran, or Delta. I would fly Virgin America, but it doesn't fly to Colorado, and I will never fly Delta again. Never tried yeah. AirTran, though. Yeah, and United sucks, by the way. Don't ever fly United. Um, I'm guessing yeah. this list of uh, supported air, air uh, airlines will probably be double uh, next year. Yeah, I would think so. I I know that there's they're doing testing on other fleets like Southwest and stuff. So I I'm sure that'll probably grow, assuming Google decides to do this again next year. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd re- I'd just prefer them to get fiber to my house, and that would make me happy. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget about the rest of us, though. Yeah, forget about the rest of you. I just want fiber to my house. <laughs> but what can I say? I like the speed. Something yeah. that Apple 3G owners like as well. Well, apparently they just want a phone that works. Uh, and uh, this next story is about a lawsuit about how Apple is, quote-unquote, bricking phones, uh, the older phones, by loading the new uh, 4.0 OS on these older devices that can't handle it. Um, and this lawsuit claims that they're doing this on purpose to force people to upgrade to the new iPhone 4. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I could, would certainly say that you could hold Apple liable for maybe not testing out the iOS 4 update enough or saying, you know what, 3G users can't have the update. I mean, they've done that with older generations of the iPod Touch. They said, you can't have this update, or you can't have the features of this update, or all the features of this update, or whatever. And they've never pushed out an update that would cripple an older device like they have with this. So I would say, if anything, that you that they would be liable for not having tested the iOS 4 on 3G devices well enough, or if at all. But to say that they were using that just to make people upgrade uh, the iPhone 4, that just doesn't seem like Apple's style. Yeah, intent is something extremely hard to prove, and that's what they're going to have to do in this case. Um, But I would have to say that being a vertically vertically integrated platform, they had to have known how it would perform on these older devices because unlike Windows, sometimes you hear, oh, this game doesn't work or this this stops working or these drivers aren't ported. There's only one manufacturer of the iPhones and it's them. And so they should they should should have had limited testing, 
um, matrices to matrices to be able to find problems that were happening, and they didn't. So I I, I really believe that they they bear some responsibility. Yeah, I I've got a feeling that they'll probably end up shelling out something or saying, hey, you'll get this much off of uh, your next iPhone or something like that. But I don't think it'll be anywhere near to the extent that maybe they want it to be just because I don't think the intent was really there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this has gone class action or not, but if it did, they'd probably get, like, what, $20 gift card on iTunes or something like that. Yeah, i, I got a feeling it'll probably go class action because I've seen videos of what it turned the 3G into, and it's abysmally slow. Yeah, it's almost like a Windows phone. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, not that bad. (laughs) Yeah, I I did see some of the, just kind of some early reviews of the phones today, and some of them were fairly mediocre. Some of them, they didn't have reviews on some of the phones that I really wanted to see, like the one from Dell or whatever. But, yeah, the Windows Phone 7 series worth of phones came out in the U.S. today. Yeah, uh, I actually went to the AT&T store and played with the Focus. That thing is extremely light and slick and fast and zippy. Uh, I was fairly impressed with it. Uh, The keyboard also seemed very easy to use. Um, I was talking to my wife today, and she's like, you'll never have a Windows phone. I never want you to have a Windows phone um, because of my bad experience in the past. Uh, But um, we'll see. Um, A friend of mine at work, he said that he's going to wait a week or so and then buy it. Uh, I talked to the sales lady and asked when they're getting shipments. Oh, when I went in to go take a look at it, she said there's only one phone left. So they're selling pretty briskly. And she said she had no idea when the, their next shipment was going to come in. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems to me more to be to me more like a supply issue because from what I've read today, lines at stores like AT&T stores, like, I think I've heard primarily on the West Coast, there was no more than maybe like a dozen people in any line from a store that I've heard of. Um from what I understood, the Microsoft store in Denver had no line whatsoever. Mm. So I think it's probably more of a supply issue than them a selling. Demand. Yeah. I would agree. But one thing she did tell me is that she currently owns an Android phone and an iPhone, and she says as soon as she can, she's getting a Windows phone to replace both of those. I would gladly give up my Android phone for a Windows phone. I, I've played around with the Windows phone a few weeks ago, and it seemed to be really nice. And I don't know, if I wasn't stuck on Nextel, I probably wouldn't have this Android phone at all. But Well, you, you won't be stuck on Nextel for long anyway, because they're getting really vied in, as we reported last week. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I'm, I may get a Windows phone. Not, I don't like the idea of carrying a second phone. Again, I did that for years, and I just don't have to deal with it anymore. But I'd consider it, but not until I see some phones on Verizon. I, I would much rather deal with Verizon than AT&T, not to mention we still don't have 3G coverage here yet. I hear that's coming like around January or something, but I'm not holding my breath. After all, it is AT&T. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Windows Phone 7 is launched. Connect launched last week. Big week. Big week for Microsoft. Yeah, um, I, 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 and I think they're going to have a really good quarter, um, and they think they're going to have a really good quarter, too, because they raised their estimate of how many Connect systems that they're uh, going to sell at, by the end of the year, which means a month and a half, basically. I'm wondering if it might not be higher than $5 million, just because that seems to be like the only... Item the Connect seems to be the only item with any real hype around it for the Christmas season. So I'll, I don't think it would take much to say that this is going to be the big ticket hot item for the Christmas season, considering most people aren't looking to spend a huge amount of money. I mean, yeah, it's 150 bucks, but that's a whole lot cheaper than something like say an iPad. Okay, so uh, the Connect is the Tickle Me Elmo of 2010. That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say at least six million. 
Yeah, it's kind of sad that uh, the what the 3D, the Nintendo 3DS or whatever, uh, they were they didn't make their uh, their the holiday cycle. Um, so when it comes to gadgets, I kind of agree with you. Um, the PSP phone is not really in the radar. Um, aren't aren't many there aren't many new gadgets out there. Um, so maybe an iPad, maybe an iPad, but still that's that's fairly limited usage as but you connect you can give a whole family and call it one good gift um so i, I kind of agree with you but five million i think is still kind of aggressive um i'm guessing that's shipped to the stores not necessarily sold from the stores that i can believe yeah i'm kind of wondering how they're gonna calculate that because they've given out I think it was like 4,000 already to the Boys and Girls Club of America. They gave out, I don't know how many, on Oprah the other day. They've given out a whole bunch on Ellen. They've donated a whole bunch to different organizations and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's going to be 5 million sold, 5 million shipped, just how they're calculating that. But yeah, I'm going to say 6 to 7 million. But. It, I, that's assuming they can keep up with the Christmas demand. Wow. Um, and that's also assuming we see some kind of a decent Connect bundle by right. Black Friday. That's a big question. What is going to be the attach rate to games? Uh, is this going to be like another Wii and where Wii Sports is the number one selling game because it comes with the console? Uh, we'll have to see how many games actually get sold with Connect, and that will... Uh, be a better uh, mark of success than how many they actually sell of the units. Because these are probably loss leaders. Yeah, one, one of the things that kind of surprised me is how not so wonderful the launch titles are. It's like, there's several dancing games, I think there's a racing game or two, and several fitness games and stuff. Nothing that, and then of course there's that retarded looking connectimals or whatever, connect animals or whatever which I don't see any reason why anybody would want that. But it, as far as launch titles go, they seem to be pretty weak, so I don't know. I, I know there's a Sonic game, but I don't think that's really enough to get me to go buy a Kinect. Not that I would buy one anyway, which we've been through several times on this, on this uh, show. All right. Well, hopefully this... Uh, winning streak continues for Microsoft because it looks like uh, not everyone's happy with them. Uh, it looks like Trend Micro is out for blood. Yeah, this is over the whole Microsoft Security Essentials, which is their free antivirus software that anybody can go and download. Which, from what I've I've heard, one or two cases of it maybe like slowing down a computer, but for most cases i hear that it's great it has fewer false positives and does a better job of like catching stuff than like a norton or whoever but apparently trend micro isn't too happy about kind of the way they're really pushing it because i guess that's supposedly eating into their antivirus business yeah they're really making a stretch of this last complaint saying that they're using Windows Update to actually distribute the software to users of Windows. Um, and in fact, what they're doing is allowing people to, uh, if they choose to turn on a feature where um, they allow other software packages to be exposed through Windows Update, and then it, then uh, Microsoft Security Essentials is exposed as an optional install. Um, but they're really stretching out and saying that Microsoft is overreaching, and uh, let's let's it's it's interesting that people know that this is a, that viruses are a problem, and uh, McAfee and Symantec and all the other virus antivirus vendors say that uh, they have a more robust robust uh, package. Um, now let's see if you know if they can actually compete head toe to toe with Microsoft. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I don't think the Microsoft Security Essentials is really in the mind of the general public. I think for when it comes to security stuff, they're largely still Norton and McAfee. And maybe they'll 
they look at some of the free solutions. Personally, I've been a huge fan of Antiver for I don't know how many years now, and I I'm considering giving it up just to give Microsoft Security Essentials a try. But yeah, it's it's not like this is anything new. I mean, there's tons of other free antivirus companies out there. So for Trend Micro to go all nuts claiming antitrust over this seems a bit crazy. I mean, there's AVG, there's Antiver, there's um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the others. I know there's a couple other major free antivirus solutions mm-hmm. out there. So this seems a bit crazy. And, you know, the thing is that with Microsoft, they're always trying to make their platform more secure because, of course, it's got all kinds of security issues and stuff. And there was always there was a bit of this kind of issue that kind of came up when Microsoft started including a firewall in mm-hmm. its product with Windows XP. A lot of firewall companies were saying, uh, don't do that. We won't be able to sell our firewall if you do. Well, it wasn't as good of a firewall as you can like buy otherwise or build your own Linux firewall or whatever. So I, I think it's a good base as far as having some kind of a bare essentials, but it's nothing huge and robust or anything like the other companies like a Norton can sell. Right. But I would say probably what 80% of the people don't need anything more robust. They just want something installed, set it and forget it. Yeah. For most people, that's fine. And it also kind of depends. Do you want to have dedicated antiviruses, a dedicated firewall, a dedicated, Um, anti-malware solution from different companies or do you want that all-in-one software package? Yeah, I I think that's kind of the big issue there. Yeah. Personally, I use Security Essentials and I like it being updated automatically and I like that it's from Microsoft. So, (laughs) just because one vendor just give me all the software that, I mean, if they, they know what works better with their operating system. If there's a major bug, I rely on them to fix it, and I get updates with Windows updates, and uh, pretty much it's it's free, and it's going to be updated regularly and setting 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 it up, and then forgetting about maintenance. And and it also, it's cleaned off some things off an old system that no other antivirus has found before. So uh, I like it. Yeah, from what I hear, it does a fantastic job. I, I'm certainly considering switching to it, but I don't know, I've been so loyal to Antiver for I don't know how many years, probably at least a half dozen years, that I kind of don't want to give it up. <laughs> but just because it's never really steered me wrong yet. so Yeah, well, choice but, is good, and hopefully that this lawsuit doesn't affect Microsoft from delivering an alternate product. Yeah, well, I don't think it's really a lawsuit yes, yet, it's just kind of an accusation that's floating out there. Yeah, that's usually the first salvo of an actual uh, lawsuit. Yeah. I want to see what would happen if they go and complain about this to the EU. If the (laughs) EU says something about it, then maybe there's something to it. But otherwise, they have no case. Right. But speaking of the EU, apparently there's a um, new bill or whatever floating around in the EU for your right to be forgotten online. Yeah, this proposal basically is saying that if you find some information about you online, you have the right to request it to be removed, no matter if that information was obtained through public records or not. Yeah, this is kind of funny. It's like I can understand this to an extent as far as if if this was something where maybe you published it, but for if to pull down something that somebody else has published that seems to be kind of stepping on free speech. Right. So if I published, say, saying that that you were at um, at Microsoft PDC, 
if I said if I posted that on my blog, you, under this new proposal, you would have the right to force me to take that down. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, and apparently Germany has something similar to this, where there was a guy that was in Germany that was convicted of murder that used a law just like this to demand that the details of its conviction be removed from all kinds of different websites. And something like that, that kind of needs to be public. Yeah. Especially if you ever have any hopes of getting out of prison. Yeah, they're, they're talking about um, how this is you know part of privacy rights. Uh, but this goes beyond privacy. Um, this is public. All of the information is public. This goes into almost reverse harassment. I don't know if you can call it reverse harassment. But uh, if anyone can ask for any information about them to be taken off, uh, that would get rid of all tabloids, I'll tell you that. And that can get rid of all legitimate news also, which is really, really harmful for everybody else. What if anybody, what about here on the sex offender list mm-hmm. in the United States? A sex offender can say, hey, I don't want that information public. Under this proposal, if it was enacted here, then they would have to take it down. So that's that's something that's very unsafe for the public in general. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I, would, I would maybe support something like this if it was something that I want pulled down that I put up online, but to pull something up down that somebody else put up online, I don't think so. I mean, if I put up something online, say on a message board somewhere, and I decide that I don't want it up there because, say, it's making me look bad in my Google rankings or something like that, I it would be nice if I could maybe go to the webmaster of that site and say, hey, could you take, there's no edit functionality on your message boards or something like that, so could you take this down for me? I, I think that would be, I wouldn't mind that, but to be able to have people go and say, hey, you can't write this about me, that's going a bit too far. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see if this even gets put on the floor for a vote. But still, it's a very, very weird proposal. There's obviously someone who doesn't understand how the Internet works. Yeah, that's for sure. But speaking of somebody who does understand how the Internet works, a former student at, at the University of Akron just got 30 months in prison for denial of serv- for politically motivated denial of service attacks as well as 3 years of supervised release yeah that's two and a half years um, for basically attacking when i first read the title i thought oh wow well they're interfering with uh, you know someone's right to choose by attacking candidates and taking their sites down but no this is attacking uh, political um, commentators, basically. These aren't people who are actually running for office. Um, so I had a little bit less you know, sympathy for them, but still, that, that's a lot of time to serve. Well, with the case of Rudy Giuliani, it was his campaign site, joinrudy2008.com, that he did launch an attack on, but he also launched an attack on Bill O'Reilly and Ann Coulter's website, among others, and he's ordered to pay $40,000 to BillOReilly.com, 10000 to the University of Akron, as well as $200 to a special victims fund, which that seems a little strange. But at first I thought to myself, gee, 30 months plus three years of supervised <coughs> release sounds a bit harsh for a couple of denial of service tax attacks on... Bill O'Reilly or Ann Coulter or whoever, but the more I read into the story, apparently he was also sending spam, using botnets, and using the school and took down the school's network for was it eight and a half hours, which wow. is appar- apparently why he owes the University of Akron ten thousand dollars because supposedly that's what it took to fix his attack for eight and a half hours. Um. Yeah, the more I kind of read about this, I kind of understand why he got that. But even that, I still think maybe two years in prison, plus maybe like two or three years probation or something like that, 
would have been ideal. I think 30 is a little bit much. Yeah. Um, so Giuliani, um, sorry to go back to that. What was he running for? Uh, I believe that was when he was running for president in 2008. Oh. Oh, okay. That was his campaign that he never really got past the primaries or whatever on, I believe. Okay. But, yeah, it seems to be a bit much. Actually, we got kind of hit by a denial-of-service attack last week. Um, Normally, whenever I spot any issues on Global Geek News, of course, I always Twitter it, which everybody can follow, at Global Geek News, and I also post it at PCNerd37. But last week, I don't remember what day it was. It seems like it was maybe middle of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that. I went on, it's like wow, all of a sudden things kind of stopped working or I couldn't connect or things got really... I think it was that things got really slow. So I just jumped right on the mid-phase chat support. It's like, oh, there's somebody launching a denial-of-service attack on the particular server that you're on. We'll fix that. So I blocked the IP address, and like two minutes later, everything was fine. Awesome. Yeah, that's like the second issue in the past week. I had one earlier today where apparently somebody was abusing the server where they were using whatever server we're on to send spam. So things were kind of slow this morning. But once I alerted them of the issue, that got taken care of immediately. So I'm a big fan of the mid-phase support. They seem to be really good. Yeah, sounds like they're on the ball. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have some support that actually has a clue what they're doing. But speaking of people that have a clue what they're doing, and in this case, people that don't know what they're doing, News Corp is kind of about to give up on MySpace because they don't know what else to do. Yeah, uh, this is kind of sad, especially since they just did a redesign of their site. Um, uh, apparently, the the head of their... What is it? Digital something or other. Um, they, they, it's uh, the chief operation officer is saying that they don't like the direction that MySpace is going, and uh, it's unsustainable in its current form. Uh, so um, they don't like the, the the loss and the continual loss. Um, I don't know what they can do. Uh, they're they're just waiting it out, seeing hopefully that they'll bottom out. Yeah. In the past year, um, this quarter last year compared to the same quarter last the or this quarter this year compared to the um, this quarter last year, they've lost thirty million dollars in revenue, just because people have just said, "Okay, MySpace is crap. I'm getting out of here." Other than maybe like small indie bands, but yeah, they're in a lot of trouble. From my understanding, from reading here and other sources. If things don't turn around in the next few quarters, not a few years, but in the next few quarters, then they're just going to shut MySpace down, unless, of course, they can find somebody to sell it off to. But at this point, I don't see anybody that would even want to buy MySpace. Well, the thing is, MySpace, no matter how, no matter what they're calling it, uh, you know, lack of uh, users or whatever, um, they're still making money. So they're not losing money. They're making less money than they used to, but they're still making money. Um, they're still getting a lot of views, and they're still uh, very much in the pocket. Um, there's a, a lot of um, indie bands and established bands that still love the service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know of a number of bands that have that use that as kind of like their main presence. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple of them. The Paper Dolls, that's kind of like their big place is MySpace. Lady Phoenix, which is um, three out of the four members of the group that used to be known as Dream from back in the early 2000s, the girl group. That's kind of their main big place, I believe. And so, yeah, for music groups, that's kind of... The big place that seems to me like they really need to go to undergo some kind of a major shift and make that the whole music thing their sole focus. Get rid of all the networking stuff for the average person and just go with the music stuff because that's kind of what they're known for anyway. That 
that would be, I think that would probably be the best change of focus that they could have. Well, now they're known for uh, their rebranding is their digital entertainment. Um, but we'll we'll see. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's very. Yeah, I think it's kind of kitschy. <laughs> um, I, I I I want I actually want MySpace to always be there. I don't want them to go away. Um, I was on MySpace. I still have a MySpace account. Um, it's just that, um, you know, they just need to try harder. Um, the people who still use MySpace, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. But there's always pressure from people. Who uh, who are on Facebook and telling their friends, well, you need to get on Facebook. Um, but I think if if just the same way as uh, if Twitter can survive with my with Facebook still there, I think the same thing with um, MySpace. They just need to find something that is not Facebook and is not Twitter. Yeah, I think MySpace is going to go the way of GeoCities. I, I think it's just got too much of a reputation of since they've spent so many years letting people do whatever they want with flashy backgrounds and background music and all this this stuff this is just that's just an assault on the senses. I think that I'm not sure that there's any way that they can really repair that reputation at this point, and I think that's it's just going to end up the next GeoCities. Speaking of which, I believe you can download all of GeoCities now on BitTorrent. I think it's like one terabyte or something like that, and you can have all of GeoCities, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think I heard about that, um, which maybe put it on the Internet Archive or something, but I'm not interested in it. <laughs> I would probably download it just for the heck of it, but... Um, Anyway, speaking of social networks, apparently Facebook can kind of now predict when relationships will end, among other things. Well, it's showing that the, the, the spikes of when breakups mostly happen, and some of the interesting ones are um, around spring break, around April Fool's, around, um, uh, around the winter holidays is probably when most of the big peaks are. Yeah, like two weeks before the winter holidays, that is like the the big peak other than spring break. And that that one kind of surprises me a little bit. And then it really plunges on Christmas because apparently it's just too cruel to break up with anybody on Christmas. Otherwise, apparently Mondays are really popular for breaking up with people. And summer holiday, the summer season to an extent as well. But yeah, this is one of those little interesting little surveys or whatever that just kind of figuring out how relationships work on Facebook and apparently they've even found that uh, 25% of people found out of their relationship status or the fact that it was over by seeing it on Facebook. That seems really high to me. Yeah, that's not much of a relationship. <laughs> uh, yeah, and 21% said that they admitted that they would change their Facebook status to single in order to break up with somebody. That's crazy. Yeah, that's extremely crazy. But uh, I wonder how much of that is, you know, it's puppy love, not real relationships. You know, it's fle- the fleeting, fleeting relationships, nothing uh, at all sustainable. Yeah, I, I could definitely go on a rant here, but I'll just make it a small one. Um, One of the things that's really gotten on my nerves over the past year or so is whether it's on Twitter, Facebook especially, it seems to be more prominent on Facebook, where you have these girls that are like, oh, my boyfriend is so wonderful and whatever. And (laughs) And then like two months later, my boyfriend broke up with me over a text message. It's like, yeah, you deserve it. It's like, (laughs) anybody who thinks that they have the best boyfriend in the world is an idiot. Not every girl can have the best boyfriend in the world. Right. Or a boy. Yeah, other way around as well. If if you're into that. (laughs) Yeah, other way around as well. 
But um, yeah, that's just one of the things that really annoys me. But that could also explain why I've always been single. Mm. Um, speaking of social networks and Facebook and stuff like that, apparently 4% of Americans are now using location-based services such as um, Foursquare or Goala, although it might actually be higher than that. Yeah, especially with the the perks that uh, Facebook Places is rolling out. Like on last Friday... They were giving out free jeans at the Gap if you checked in using places. Um, so I think part of it's an awareness problem um, that people don't know what it is. Um, and of course, with most of these are with smartphones. It's harder to do with a not-so-smartphone. Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is that location-based services is almost too much of a buzz term for the general populace. That, that's just kind of the term that the tech industry uses, but that doesn't usually mean much if you go up to the average person on the street and say, hey, do you use a location-based service? Right. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I use LBSs. Um, I don't really know why. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's not really a huge incentives to, to use it. So I think... Um, no, it's, some of it's awareness, and the other one is uh, utility. Uh, how useful are these services? Yeah, I I use Foursquare, and I don't necessarily have a particular reason that I use it. It's just kind of fun to see where everybody else is, is, where I am, if I'm at the same place as somebody else. Foursquare meetups are always nice, too, stuff like that. But, yeah, it, it's not something that I necessarily have to use or whatever it's just something i do for the fun of it yeah same here it's a it's a gimmick for most part yeah it's nothing that has um had any real consequence on my life other than like of course having fun at foursquare meetups and stuff like that but it's not location-based services aren't yet to the point where they have any real they have a whole lot of benefit to a lot of people, especially in smaller cities or smaller communities. Like in bigger cities or whatever, you'll see a lot of companies kind of embrace them where if you check in on Foursquare, you'll get X discount or whatever. But Mayor specials. Of, yeah, stuff like that. But in a lot of places, you won't see that. And, and until that becomes the norm, I really don't see it becoming a major part of people's lives. Yeah, or even worse, uh, two weeks ago I went to this uh, Philly cheesesteak place here in Austin. It's called Tuxedelphia. I checked in on Foursquare, and it said, hey, there's a special 50% off um, a regular cheesesteak. I told the guy at the counter, hey, I just checked in. It says I have this. you have this special. He had no idea what Foursquare was, and I wasn't able to get the, the offer. Um, yeah, that's one of the things that I'm always – concerned about because it seems like most of the people that work at businesses around here don't have much of a clue about their own business mother much less what's going on on foursquare or whatever so i, I mean there's the main uh special discount i've ever really seen whenever i've checked in on foursquare is i believe office depot here it's like ten dollars off of a purchase of 25 dollars or more or whatever and I haven't had a chance to use it yet because I haven't really gone in there because, of course, there's restrictions that apply. It only, it you can't use it for like electronics or ink or something like that. But yeah, I've got a feeling that if I was to say, "Hey, I checked in here, give me the discount," I'm sure the clerk would just look at me with a strange face. Yeah, which is just, which is you know part of the awareness issue. Um, until it's seen as a legitimate marketing tool. Like, I remember Twitter, 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 but only only recently have people say, hey, let's really harness this for our business. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was w- mostly one-offs, but now people are actually trying to uh, weave it into their strategy. And with only 4% of U.S. adoption, why why even use it as a marketing platform at all? So it's kind of hard to do at the moment. And uh, until people feel like they have to use it, which we're not, we're not there yet, um, 
Uh, I, I see it staying under 10% for at least another year. Yeah, there's going to be... Um, they're going to have a real tough time, I think, gaining traction services like Foursquare and Goala compared to something like a Facebook and Twitter because Twitter and Facebook have gotten a lot of mainstream uh, press and a lot of use on like national news shows, local news stations are using it to communicate with their audience and stuff. But you can't really do that with something like a Foursquare or a Gowalla or whatever. It's like, okay, you checked in here. Good for you. How does that help us? Mm-hmm. So it, it, they're just never going to get the amount of television attention or radio attention or whatever that something that's a lot more interactive like a Twitter or a Facebook. So they're never, they'll never see the numbers that a Facebook has or probably even the numbers that a Twitter has. I, th- I think I saw like in the past week that Foursquare has, what is it, 5 million users now or something like that. So yeah, I, I mean, comparison-wise, it's really slow. Yeah, but really Places slow. has so much, has more users than Foursquare after only been around for a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, I think uh, Places is one of those things that's kind of an opt-out rather than an opt-in. Yeah. Which is, of course, the way Facebook always does stuff. So, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see how this just kind of evolves, but I really don't think it'll be any major the next big Twitter kind of thing. But speaking of things that I don't think are going to be the next big Twitter, 3D TV. It's apparently, according to James Cameron, glasses free 3D TV won't be really taking off for at least another 8 to 10 years. I don't don't see any uh, 3D TV, glasses or not, getting traction uh, anytime soon. Um, of course, I mean, leaps and bounds, if you look at TVs eight years ago, like 2002, um, I don't really think there were any flat screens, really, the adoption was so much smaller now, they're everywhere. Um, but who can tell? I mean, that's a pretty far ways out. But uh, I don't know. I don't. Do you think TV stations want to... Uh, change all their equipment out to support 3D after you know this major shift that they did for HD. I mean, there's some channels that are still uh, buying new new equipment to support HD. Um, I don't think they're ready to put in that kind of infrastructure uh, to uh, make sure that they can handle the extra data and the equipment to, to support it. So I don't really think it'll take off, at least not in eight years. Yeah, I think the whole 3D thing is going to, well, I think it's a big, gigantic failure anyway, but I think it's just going to stay in the realm of like the really big media um, entities like, an, like a Disney with like an ABC or an ESPN or something like that. I don't think 3D TV is something that we'll see on local TV news stations for maybe another 20 years yet. Yeah. 20 years, I think it might be commonplace, but if it's not even going to take off for another 10 years, I don't see local stations upgrading to it till probably about 20 years. That's my prediction. If anybody wants to let me know how that turns out in 20 years, fine, but uh, that, that's just kind of my est- rough estimate. Yeah, scary, I, I, scary. I think I still think 3D TV is a massive failure. I think actually we'll have 3D laptops before we have 3D televisions um, because laptops are seen as a you know a single user device, um, mm-hmm. so it's easier to have the kind of like the the Nintendo 3DS experience with a lenticular uh, 3D um, and have that be more common than televisions and maybe after. Every laptop has them. People might say, "Hey, I would like to have this on my own television," and that—that's the the way I see rollout happening. Which, of course, it's going to take some time to get there. Yeah, that would definitely be 
a lot more interesting to see. I, I've seen um, computer screens that are 3D. I can't think of the company. And this has been back in... I, I want to say it was either early 2006 or early 2005. There was a company that was making these... 3D monitors. Uh, I cannot think of their name. Mm. Anyway, of course they were. You had to have glasses and everything, but even it was cool. But at the same time, it wasn't all the best of quality. I'm sure things have mm-hmm. really changed in the last five years. But it was like when you could focus on something that was 3D, it was nice, but otherwise everything else on the screen would kind of feel blurry. So I've got a feeling that that's probably still the case to some extent. And when you're looking at something like a computer screen, you want to be able to see the whole thing as a really sharp, high-resolution image. You don't want any blurriness at all. But I, I don't know. I've kind of been wanting to try the NVIDIA's 3D gaming stuff for the PC just to see how things have changed because I've heard a lot of people rave about that but since I don't have a 3D graphics or an NVIDIA graphics card anymore I don't know when that will happen oh yes you do oh uh, what? will something like that work on a MacBook Pro? I don't know I know they have it for mobile so I'm not sure about what chip they actually have in the MacBook Pro um, yeah, but, I'm not sure, but maybe yeah, this particular MacBook Pro, I believe it's the 330M, I believe. So I don't, I don't know. I'll have to look into that because that would be certainly something that I've wanted to try for a while. I know it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it's certainly a lot cheaper than like a 3D TV or whatever. But anyway, no 3D TV for a while. I, I, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen at... At um, CES, because last year especially, and mm-hmm. to an extent the year before, 3D TV was kind of the big thing, and it's still to the point where nobody really, it's not catching on, people who have tried it, it's like, oh, that's neat, but I really don't want it, because there's not really much of anything that can take advantage of it, and not and when you're charging two or $300 for a pair of glasses and everything else... 99.9% of people are going to say, uh, no, my HDTV is good enough. So I'm kind of curious to see what's going to, ha- what's going to happen at CES this year. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hype going towards CES this year. I've been kind of no. surprised. No. And it's still reeling. Uh, uh, development plans were pushed off for years because of the recession because they didn't know about consumer demand. So a lot of, a lot of R&D got scrapped. Uh, it's going to be a while before um, CES is probably next year. Not and probably not the next show coming up, but the one after that is probably when you start seeing CES level uh, quality and um, the kind of products that that we're used to. Yeah, I, I had thought about. Well, I had gotten all my credentials and everything for going to CES last year, and never did get to go. But I was thinking about, well, should I go this year before um, the deadline for? being able to get in for free for if you're a blogger or whatever. But it's like, I don't know of anything that would really interest me if I went out there. I, I haven't heard any talk of anything worth going to Vegas for. So, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see what, if anything, really comes out of CES in January. That'll be kind of interesting to see. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope. But anyway, we are running a couple minutes late, so that's the end of the stories. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, don't forget you can of course go back and look at all of these stories that we talked about in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Pick up on some of the details that we didn't have time to mention. So there's always plenty of those, and don't forget check out the tips of the week section for all of the awesome things, all the do-it-yourself the security stuff, the tips, the tricks, the hacks, all that kind of stuff. Not to mention everything else, that globalgeeknews.com. And, of course, you can follow at Global Geek News on Twitter to find out what all's going on with Global Geek News and general tech news. As well as you can follow me on Twitter, I am at PCNerd37. 
you can follow Wesley on Twitter, who's at Wesley83. He's always posting some really cool stuff, especially whenever... He always seems to blog the, the best stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there's always interesting stuff that you blog that I never tend to see anywhere else for some reason that it just doesn't come across my RSS feed or whatever. It's just, you always have some really cool stuff on there. Which, that would be WesleyFaulkner.com, correct? Yes. So definitely everybody should go there, subscribe, as well as subscribe to at the Global Geek News Podcast, whether you're using iTunes or Zune or um, Miro or whatever your podcatcher of choice happens to be. Just make sure to subscribe to the show, tell people about the show, tell them to subscribe to the show. But anyway, I think that is about it for this week. Of course, if you have any um, questions, comments, whatever, feel free to stick them in the comments for the show. Let us know on Twitter, or you, of course you can always send us an email at globalgeeknews at gmail.com. But I think that is it for this week. We will see you guys all next week. Later. <laughs>